I'm Letitia Joyner for WNSR, and this is Confessions of a Magazine Junkie. I had to be around seven or eight years old when my mom and I would always stop in the small bodega that was located in the area of downtown Newark, New Jersey. When I used to come pick you up from school, we always used to go into the store. I used to like to just go look around. But you always had a tendency of going to the racks where the magazines and newspapers and things were. And every time I turned around, you had your hand on the magazine, picking up a magazine, picking up a magazine. And if I didn't get it, I knew you would be sad, so I had to end up spending my last change (laughs) to get magazines every other day. The man in the store would say, she really loves to read, doesn't she? I said, I don't know. It must be a sign. God must have God must have something for her to do in regards to magazines or something, because every time I turn around, it's a magazine, a magazine. <laughs> After I had asked my mom if she could possibly remember the exact amount of issues that I collected over the years, she replied with the statement, too many. One day you had a Cosmopolitan, and let me see. Vogue. I'm like, I'm like, what the world does she want with Cosmopolitan? And then here's Vogue. I'm like, is she gonna be a fashion designer? I don't understand. And then there was a one with a French name I saw up there. I don't remember what it was, but I'm like, it's so many different magazines that she's pulling from here. What's going on? The building that the bodega previously occupied currently houses a Bank of America branch on the corner of Broad and Market Street. Though the physical landscape is now obsolete, the spirit of this non-existent bodega still lives in my heart. And with those memories, my fascination for reading magazines has remained. The difference between now and those days in the bodega is the shift from print to online publications. Online magazines have nonetheless become one of the biggest resources for information in the world, and some might argue that it has replaced the need for print entirely. I had the pleasure of speaking with Abigail Schreiber, who is the digital managing editor of Paper Magazine and the associate editor for their print division. We met at a local cafe in Williamsburg, Brooklyn called The Blind Barber. I wanted to hear her story as well as her views on the current issues that have been constantly arising within the world of journalism. I always was a magazine junkie growing up. I would read a ton of magazines that my parents would subscribe to or my grandmother. My grandmother, who's 95, still subscribes to way too many magazines. I mean, she'll have The New Yorker, Time Magazine, Vanity Fair, Vogue. I mean, she just, you go to her house and it's like her coffee table is covered in magazines. Um, So I think part of my interest came from her, and I always loved just, like, flipping through the pages of a fashion or music magazine and seeing the beautiful photos and the layouts and the clothes. And then as I got older, really reading the articles, like, you know, ones written in the New York or Vanity Fair or New York Magazine is another one of my favorites. And eventually I came across paper, and I really liked their perspective and how they really focused on sort of niche, underground, indie artists and musicians and actors and I also thought it was an interesting magazine with a really cool legacy of being independently owned and operated for several decades and still run by the original founders. Paper. 
a New York City-based independent magazine company that was founded by Kim Haspier and David Hershkovitz in 1984, had gained notoriety throughout the years for their unique perspectives on all things fashion and pop culture. In 2014, papers spiked an all-time high in sales as well as media coverage when social like Kim Kardashian posed for their November cover titled Break the Internet, Partially Nude. Sure. Yeah, I absolutely think that both Kim's Break the Internet cover for us and Caitlyn Jenner's Vanity Fair cover are good examples of ways in which print publications can revitalize their brand. I mean, I can't speak for Vanity Fair, but I know for paper that was just a game changer. I mean, we've been a niche, small-time publication for 30 years, and, you know, going back home to Chicago when I tell people where I work, most people are kind of like, huh? Like, what's paper? Um, but now that was just a total game change for the magazine and I feel like I can go anywhere in the country or even anywhere in the world and when I tell people I work at Paper Magazine, odds are most people will know exactly what I'm talking about and if they don't right away, all I have to say is, oh, the Kim Kardashian Break the Internet covers and they'll be like, oh, right, right, right. Um, so I do. I think what ends up happening though is those types of covers bring attention to the brand. I, I don't know if there's enough evidence yet to say that they actually increase subscriptions or newsstand sales, but what I do think happens is they increase people's interest in seeing what else these publications are all about online. Um, I know for us, we saw an uptick in traffic following the Kim Kardashian and even now the Miley Cyrus covers, um, even you know weeks after we launched the, the story. So I think... I think subscriptions and newsstand sales will probably remain fairly steady, but it's these big sort of PR stunts or big articles that will generally drive more readers on, onto the digital platforms. While discussing the current state of both print and online publications, Abigail voiced her opinion on if she believes that they will die out anytime soon or not. Well, I think that they're at a really interesting crossroads. I don't think that they're going to die, die out the way people predicted during the beginning of the recession a few years ago. I think they have learned that they need to evolve, and I think that the publications that seem to be hanging in there have found a good way to almost transform their brand into, into more of an arts book. I mean, something that you would really want to have on your coffee table, for instance, and not just be reading for the news content because I think too many people use the internet, let alone you know social media, to get their news. So I think the publications that have found it hardest, like a Newsweek, which went um, you know defunct, couldn't keep up with the really rapid rate of the news cycle on the internet. And so I think what we've learned at Paper, and my sense is a lot of peer publications are doing the same things, is we can't be too limited or too focused on writing stories that are timely. We have to look at bigger ideas and bigger pictures and content and images that people will want to look at that week or that month or the following year. First off, I would have to agree with Abigail by saying that print magazines will probably not die out as many companies had initially expected. The specific amount of artistry that goes into creating an issue from the photography to the one-on-one -on -one interviews, can be an outlet for readers. Even though the bodega where my mother and I used to buy magazines is now a bank, my fascination for print has remained and will continue to. One thing is for sure, reading magazines as a kid helped me to see a world that was completely different from my day-to-day -day life.
they were an outlet. And hopefully, they will be an outlet to some other kid who has the same love for magazines. Just like me, Abigail, and millions of other people around the world. I'm Letitia Joyner for WNSR, and this is Confessions of a Magazine Junkie.